Hello, how are you? Good Holy Thursday. Well, most of you, not Holy Thursday, uh, the Ascension Thursday. I know most of you are not there. Uh, most of the, only the diocese in Pennsylvania and a few other states have uh, today is the Holy Day. But I never get it because the it's Holy Thursday. I mean, it's Ascension Thursday. And the reason most dioceses move it to Sunday, of course, but the reason it's Ascension Thursday and we keep it in our diocese on Thursday is so this is when the official novena begins. The very first novena. Now remember what a novena is. A novena is nine days of prayer. Why do we have this? Because Jesus says, go and pray. And so after he ascended into heaven on the Feast of the Ascension, they started to pray the next day, and from that day to Pentecost is nine days. So that's where we got novenas. That's where they started from. And the original one is the novena to the Holy Spirit. And that's why I encourage everyone to make sure tomorrow you begin the novena. Whether you're celebrating the Feast of the Ascension today or not tomorrow, Friday, begin the novena to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. You can't do it alone. You need God's Holy Spirit. So pray for that. And if you're, you can find there's a bunch of novenas online, or you can just go to pray more novenas, pray more novenas. And then you go and hit the novena to the Holy Spirit, and they and you put your email in there, and every day for the next nine days, they will send you the prayer for that particular day. So you can have nine days of prayer without remembering it. They'll send you the email with the link for that prayer for to that day. And again, then together, we're all praying for the Holy Spirit. And wouldn't it be a great thing if this was a new Pentecost in all of our hearts? And remember what Pentecost did. It brought unity to the church. It brought unity to the world. That's what the Spirit does. And more, boy, more now than ever, we need the spirit of unity who everybody comes together in the Holy Spirit. So, hope you do that, and I hope that's a good thing. So, before we get started, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Great God of love and mercy, we thank you that you became a man, that you died on the cross, you rose from the grave, and you ascended into heaven. And you live forever to make intercession for us. Thank you, God, for your great power, for your great love, and for promising us that Holy Spirit, that we could participate in your Godhead, that your power could be inside of us, that we too can be witnesses. Give us the grace to fully open ourselves to the Spirit, to pray to the Holy Spirit, to beg the Holy Spirit to take control of our lives. For Father... We beg you these things in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. And our Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. So I'm sorry I was, uh, literally, I just ran in here. I had to get Mary Therese to make sure everything got set up because we are, we just got in Pennsylvania here, the okay to, uh, on Memorial Day to have 
no restrictions anymore in gatherings. So always at my parish, we have Oktoberfest, which is the first weekend of October. And so this year will be the first, second, and third. And so I was trying to put these posters together and create a poster for this year's Oktoberfest because we already got that stuff out there. And um, this, it's, it's a great time. Those of you in Erie or Pennsylvania or in the area, you got to come up. We have a fantastic time. Put it on your calendar now, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And come on up to Erie. You get to see my beautiful church. You get to, We have a fantastic Oktoberfest, a lot of uh, good German food. We have a lot of good German beer. We have uh, baskets, 150 baskets every year that all kinds of things you can come up you'll be able to do all the do the baskets online here soon uh, within the next month or so and also what we have at our place this year a big big difference we always raffle off a german car and so every year we've either run off like last year a bmw roadster or a uh, uh mercedes-benz but this year we went all out and we are raffling off a porsche a 2021 they're german that's why we're doing it. a 2021 boxster porsche which is a little two-seat convertible we're at seventy-seven thousand dollars, brand new it has 30 miles on it and that's all it's going to have on there is that 30 miles or whatever because we don't take it anywhere it's sitting out in front of the church you can go to our website at stjoesbol.org and see it stjoesbol.org and get some tickets because you can either win that or you can win fifty thousand dollars so they're expensive tickets though but we're only selling four thousand of them so if you're interested in that this was this was not my intention today to push that but i'm just telling you why it was late so if you're interested you can help my parish out a lot and you can also uh just get to see my parish come on up to mass i have all the masses that weekend and we have a fine time so i'm just excited that finally things are starting to open up again oh Hasn't it been a long year and a half? I know it has for me. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to take four days off, and I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, it's all I'm thinking about is because I haven't had a chance to get off since last March 13th, and so a year ago. So I'm just like, okay, finally I get a few days just uh, away uh, visiting my buddy, and we're going to have a fine time. So, uh, again, just for your info. Okay, so let's start with some questions. Now, a question came today on the website that I didn't have a chance to uh, uh, do because it's a holy day, so I've been busy with a thousand different things, and so I haven't had a chance, but all as I saw here was questions for Anchored in Hope podcast. Good afternoon, Padre. Here's a question for the next Anchored in Hope podcast. How do you respond to someone who says that it's unfair that an infertile heterosexual married couple can still get married within the church, but the church won't recognize the same-sex marriage because the procreative element is not there? Is there partic- In this particular scenario, the husband had cancer and won't be able to have children, although it is true that he is in the heterosexual union, the desire and intent are there to have children, but it seems like a double standard since both the heterosexual and same-sex couple will not be able to procreate. Both these couples could also, within the law, adopt children. <laughs> it would be able to be cool if you were able to make this its own separate YouTube video. I could share it with, with evangelical purposes. Thanks for all you do. Thanks, Andrew. Sure, start me off with this one. Again, are the main thing when it comes to, again, we're, we're not going against homosexual people. 
We love them. We reach out to them. We, uh, we accept them 100% as they are, right? And again, people get crazy over that, but we have to accept all people as they are. We always meet people where they are. Jesus did. And I think that, first of all, we got to get the mindset of Jesus Christ, And so Jesus loves people where they are. He meets them where they are. He doesn't have conditions on love. He, even when he calls us to repentance, it's his love that brings us to repentance, not our freer of damnation or anything else. So we got to have the mind and the heart of Jesus who loves all people without condition. If we put conditions on our love, then it's no longer agape love. It's no longer the love of God. That being said, we also have to look that the rules in the church are not even the rules, but the uh, why we do the things we do in a church, a lot of it comes down to natural law. The natural law is a man and a woman, when they come together, they fit, right? Just physically, they fit together. And when they come together, what they're saying is the woman's saying, I love you so much that I give you my life. And the man is saying, I love you so much and I give you my life. And the woman opens herself and surrenders her life to the man. And the man gives the essence of who he is to the woman. And then when these two people give their life for each other, then God can bring eternal life out of that. Two men or two women, when they come together sexually, no life can come out of that period because they just don't fit together the same way. So that's the first part. Now with an infertile couple, they're still open, their physical bodies still fit together, but there is something that's keeping them from opening, uh, from being able to have children. It doesn't mean that they can't. It doesn't mean that God can't do a miracle. It doesn't, like God can do a miracle and bring healing. Like to tell you the honest to goodness truth, I can't lie about this stuff, but years ago, one of my couples that I married, uh, I had come and I uh, just married them and they were, they were like two years and I had taken a train to Chicago and I had to stop over there before I was going to California and I didn't like to fly in those days so I actually took a train, but I think this is part of the reason why God had me take the train. Anyway, so there I go, and I'm having lunch with this wonderful girl, and we're talking, and then she seemed kind of sad. I go, what's the matter? And she starts to cry, and she says, Father, we've been tested, and we're never going to be able to have children. And, um, and the doctor says, it's just not possible. And I start smiling, and I go, no, 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 wait a second. Here. And I carry uh, miraculous medals with me everywhere. And so I says, here, miraculous medal. I want you to put this on and you ask God for a baby and God's going to give you a baby. And she cried even more. Father, don't say those type things. The doctor said it's impossible. We already started uh, to be able to, uh, we were adopting a child and we're happy with that, which is a great thing, adopting a child. But I says, just trust God, ask our lady. So anyway, she wore the medal and just, I think this make me happy. But the reality is God is, God is a God of miracles. Do we realize that? God can do anything. And so she called me about three months later, four months later. She says, Father, you'll never guess. I said, oh, yeah, I will. We're going to have a baby. Bless God. They got, I don't know which came first, whether, because they still continued on with their adoption. So they had an adopted baby and they had a real baby. And adopted babies are real babies. I don't mean it that way. It just didn't come out right. But anyway, so then the doctor says, well, that's impossible. You know, it happened. It'll never happen again. <laughs> And guess what? They started adoption for another baby. Then they started the adoption and it's coming through and she got pregnant again. 
Isn't that amazing? That a miracle can happen because two bodies fit together. And even there's all kinds of stuff. You never know. But at least that's what the bodies were created for. A man and woman's body was created by God to fit together and to bring life. And a man can love a man, and a woman can love a a woman. Of course they can. You know, it says love is love. I agree, love is love. But love is love cannot produce a child. So when a husband and a husband, or you can't even call them husband and husband, but a man and a man will look at it that way. They come together, no matter how much they love each other. When they come together sexually, no life can come out of that. It ends in itself. It ends in their own pleasure or mutual pleasure, which part of love, but no life can come out of that physically. And so that's why the church has always held that. Now, again, that being said, we don't treat people horribly and say you're not a good person and all these things. We always meet people where they are to bring them to where God wants them. But again, we got to make sure that Though we love people, we never tell someone it's okay what they're doing. And I think that's the biggest issue today. People want to just say, it's okay where you're at, just stay there. You know, like when I was a chaplain at a high school and when I was a chaplain at a college, I had a lot of kids, believe this or not, that were having sex outside of marriage. It's called fornication. I don't know if you knew. But anyway, so a man and a woman having sex. Now, again, what they were doing was 100% wrong. What they were doing could get them to hell forever. What they were doing was spitting in God's face, if you will, because God told them not to do that. No fornicator will enter the kingdom of heaven. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 5 to 7. Make no mistake about it. No fornicator, no unclean or lustful person, in effect an idolater, will have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or of God. Let no one deceive you with worthless arguments. These are sins that bring down God's wrath on the disobedient. Therefore, have nothing to do with them. Now, This scripture verse is talking about a man and a woman having sex before marriage. It's something that calls down God's wrath is what this says. And so I didn't go around telling all these guys and girls, God's wrath will come down upon you. I met them and got them where they needed to be. But I could not have done that just by hitting him over the head and saying the wrath of God. Now, the wrath of God also, the scripture says, comes upon men who lay with men and women who lie with, lay with women. So we don't sit there and try to uh, poo-poo that and say, you know, it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. Years ago, I had, at my, if you ever go to my website, one of the things you'll see there is I have a, a, an introduction there after I have a little video of me talking about welcoming people. And I says, everyone is welcome in our father's house. Doesn't matter your marriage situation, your sexual orientation, your whatever it is, everyone is welcome in your father's house. And then I put, but we will challenge you to grow to where God wants you to be. You see, the word that God calls us to do again and again is the first word ever out of his mouth, Jesus, in his public ministry, and that was repent. That living the Christian life isn't about living, doing things our way and asking God to bless us. It's about changing our life and doing things God's way. And 
when we start bringing the truth in love, now it's an altogether different reality because all of us need to repent. Every, I need to repent every day. You know, someone came last night and I was, we changed the mass schedule and my dogs are barking and I'm, I'm hearing someone knocking on the door at my office and I'm thinking, what's going on here? And the dogs are going crazy. And I go and I go, hello, what can I help you with? Can we, no, you can't come in. The dogs are going to kill somebody. They were, so, they, were, they were crazy last night. And I says, what are you here for? Da, 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 you know, but I, I thought after I talked to this beautiful, wonderful woman, I could have been much nicer. I wasn't thinking. I was just thinking of all this stuff going on and all these things. I'm trying to get some work done. There's a knock at the door, and this is 7.30 at night, and there's no one in the offices that time, of course. But then I thought, Larry, you got to repent. And i got a lot of repenting to do. So I can't be going around picking on everybody else and saying all the things that you have to change your life for. i got to tell the truth. God loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay there. He's always calling all of us to be saints, to be holy, to do it his way, not our way. So I hope that helps. It goes into, uh, you know, we go on a lot of tangents, I know. But again, no, no matter what we're called to love, everybody, we love them 100% unconditionally. But we still challenge them in love to grow and to become God, all God, all everything God wants them to be. The main issue, the, the question you asked me, is a man and a woman naturally fit together and they can produce life? A man and a man or a woman and a woman cannot, no matter what you do. But if a man and a woman come together, it's supposed to work. And if it doesn't, miracles can happen, but at least it's the natural way. And again, so that's the primary argument, but there's much more than all this. Uh, Catholic Answers and that would give you a lot better uh, uh, answers than me. I'm just trying to give you the pastoral answer. Okay, thank you for your question, Andrew. Now, I forgot my iPad, so that's I can't. I have to. I have to. Sorry, I have to bring in all up on this little or one. It's going to be a little bit harder for me to. Uh, to see everything, but we'll see how this goes here. Okay. Let me let me turn this down. There we go. So, sorry, it's one of those days again. I have a lot of those days. Have you guys noticed that? This isn't the most professional thing. I know. Anyway, let's come here and bring these questions together here. Good afternoon. Tickets open to Canadians? Yes, they are open to Canadians. Last week you mentioned a retreat that you did where they had a cross and you had to be crucified with Christ. I'm curious about that. Can you explain it more? It's called Pustinia. And Pustinia, the one who made that popular here in uh, Canada and the States, is, a, um, is Catherine de York Doherty. She was a great way. They called her the Baroness. She has the still Madonna house up in Commonwealth, Ontario. And I visited her years ago, but she wrote a book called Pustinia. And so in those days, those were big when I was in seminary. So they actually built a Pustinia. And a Pustinia is just a, uh, a room out in the woods, usually, where there's a bathroom there and there's a bed and a big cross with no corpus. And you fast on bread and water. You meet with your spiritual director. And... Um, they give you scripture passages. So you have to spend time meditating on these scripture passages. And for 24 hours, you go into the desert. Pustinia is Russian uh, for desert. 
And so you go into the desert and you get crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. And there you come to know the love of God and what he's calling you to. I'll never forget, I was on one of my Pustinias and I was, I was trying to figure out, God, what, there are so many different ways of Christianity and Catholicism, huh? And I'm thinking, what are you calling me to? What do you want me to do? And I was struggling because I, uh, I was reading the book uh, uh, Love God and Do As You Will, which was uh, a saying from St. Augustine, but it was written by... Uh, uh, Saint, not Saint Vincent de Paul. I think it was Saint. I don't know. I have to. I have to look at it. But anyway, um, not Saint Vincent de Paul. What the heck was it? The guy. Anyway, but uh, but it was always. He was talking about. You know, he was walking through the. Uh, the stories about a lot of the saints, and one of the saints is walking through a meadow, and she hears or he hears all the blades of grass saying, "God loves you. God loves you. Why don't you love him back?" And I'm thinking, "Yeah, God, I." I want to love you more. And so, and then I read the thing of the little flower, you know, in her uh, journey of it, not journey of a soul, it's John Paul, John the 23rd, but of her, her autobiography. And she talks about, I was trying to figure out what God's calling me to do. I'm not, am I called to be a missionary, but I'm in the convent. And she says, Lord, then you made it clear to me, I'm called to be love. I'm called to be love. I'm called to be love. And then way back then, that's what I knew, okay, that's what the call is. The problem has been is that uh, I haven't lived that. That's always been my ideal. You know what, it's when I preach, I preach the ideals. And then my own hypocrisy, not living the way, you know, and people often, like some of you right now, if you're watching and you think, oh, you know, again, I've talked about this. He must be the nicest guy in the world. I'm not. <laughs> it's just the reality. You know, but I can, for something like this, or when I'm leading people in prayer, in, uh, in, Adder, in um, after communion and all that. And so it's been interesting because there is so much in my baggage, in my past, that really has had such an effect in my life. You know, my father was an alcoholic. He was very abusive when we were kids. I never, I was never, uh, I was afraid a lot when I was a boy, just a little boy, because my dad would go crazy. He was a bad alcoholic. Good man. He was a police officer. But it really made made damage if you will on my brain if you will on my on my personality uh how i survived you know the ways i'd get into uh survival mechanism you know my family we always screamed at each other we never said i love you to each other um my mother i uh you know never would kiss me i after after i lost my dad i told him i loved him before he died and i'd say i and i kept telling my mother and it took her years before she ever responded now she has alzheimer's every time i leave she tells me she loves me but i would go and i'd go to kiss my mother i'm in seminary you know kiss your mother and my mother would turn her face away so there's there's a lot of uh, I, i'm damage inside of me if you will so as much as i pray and i ask god to god you got to change my heart, and I'm constantly repenting. There's still stuff in my personality that's just there, and that's what I try to work on and try to get better, and I am, but it's just what all of us. And I, I tell you that in no way to make you feel bad for me or sorry for me, just to understand that we're all like this, aren't we? I've met very few people who are always 
perfect in that regard. You know, most of us struggle. I struggle, you know, but with all my heart, I want to do God's will. With all my heart, I want to uh, be love in a world that doesn't know love. That's what God created me for. And that's my desire and what I work on every day. And I ask God early in the morning when I was praying this morning, you know, uh, help me to do that. Today, being May 13th, even though it's the Feast of the Ascension here in the diocese, it's also the time, the, the Feast of Our Lady at Fatima. And it's also when my, the anniversary of my, uh, uh, the death of my spiritual director, Monsignor Peterson. And so I was just like this morning, like Pete was the most loving man I know and just asking him to intercede that I become more loving and all that kind of stuff. But I'm always afraid, I think, that, you know, when you love people and they hurt you, then you protect yourself. And so that's what's happened. So I, I, my anger has been a way to protect me throughout the years. And even when it's inappropriate, that's where I, that's the mode I get into. But that's too much information. But anyway, just, what was the question? So anyway, that's what you get to know a lot of those things in the Pustinia, where you go and you get uh, spiritually naked, if you will, before God. And uh, so, sorry, that was, I don't know where that came from. I don't know. Okay, now we'll go to another email question. Father Larry, do you believe indulgences? Of course I believe in indulgences. Why? Because it's teaching of the church. If so, for a plenary indulgence, we must be free of any attachment to sin. So I'm guessing I'm out of luck as sometimes I have brief impure thoughts that I try to dismiss with a Hail Mary. Dawn. It's attachment to sin. And every time we go to confession, we should have no attachment to sin. What no attachment to sin means is this. And this is where the difference is and where Catholics don't understand. To get a plenary indulgence, which is full remission of all confessed sin, you can do stuff like right now, the novena, if you watch the novena on Wednesday nights, I haven't been able to have it the last two weeks because uh, last, uh, last night we did our, uh, our thing is 5.15 normally. We had the novena uh, with the regular mass for the Holy Day mass. That's why it wasn't at seven. And last week I was out of town. But if you watch that, online or you go to do stuff for the year of St. Joseph, the Holy Father has given people a plenary indulgence, which is full remission of all confessed sin. Now, with that, you have to go to communion within so many days and confession so many, within so many days before or after that. You got to pray for the intentions of the Holy Father. It's going to drive some people crazy. You have to pray for the Holy Father who they hate to get the indulgence. It's something. But anyway, and then you got to have no attachment to sin, even venial. Every time you go to confession, once you confess something, you should have no attachment to sin, even venial. What does that mean? That you have fully repented of your sin. So again, to be forgiven, you have to have no attachment to sin, even venial. You have to say, Lord, by your grace, not by my power, I'm very, very weak. By your grace, I fully resolve with the help of your grace to do what? To sin no more. That's detachment from all sin. You're getting it out of your life. You're having an act of the will. Will you fall again? Maybe, probably. But until you come to full repentance saying, I firmly resolve to help your grace to sin no more. You don't say, I firmly resolve to help your grace to try to sin no more, do you? So you're really, but most Catholics do not believe that to be forgiven, you have to repent. So again, you yell at your wife and then you go to confession. And I go, I yelled at my wife. What does that mean? To be forgiven, what's necessary? I will never yell at my wife again. That's what is necessary for forgiveness. Not I will try, uh-uh. 
And see, most Catholics use this to make their guilt feel go away for a while. And that's usually for a day, and they're already doing it the next day. But when Jesus calls us to repent, he's calling us to change our lives. So don't look at what are all the rules to get an indulgence. Look at what does God want me to do? Too many people focus on what can I get or what don't I get. And the last thing an indulgence should do is keep you focused on yourself. You can get a plenary indulgence for yourself and or you can get a plenary indulgence for someone who has died. So if it comes down between getting a plenary indulgence for someone who has died or you, who should you get it for? Do, 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 do. Get it for them. And God will take care of you. <laughs> so you can get one plenary indulgence every day. So you can get one for them. Put them first, though, before you put your first. And then before you put yourself first. And then God will say, wow, look at him or her. They're just like me. Instead of look at him and her, they're always putting themselves first, even in their spiritual life. The spiritual life that puts oneself first is not authentic Christianity. Let me say that again. The spiritual life that puts oneself first is not authentic Christianity. Jesus says, if you lose your life, you will find it. But if you gain your life, you will lose it. That's even in the spiritual life. We need to put others first. That's why I'm always, when I'm doing a mission, saying you've got to put others first. If, you, if, you've only been to conf- if you've been to confession a week ago and have no mortal sins, there's some people here who haven't been to confession in 35 years, let them go first. But almost always there's someone who comes up and they're the first two people. And I said, how long has it been? It's only been a week, Father. I said, get out of here. What? I said, I told you to put other people first. Do you have a mortal sin? Well, no. I said, your venial sins are forgiven at Mass. Why are you, even in your spiritual life, putting yourself first? I said, the first thing you should confess is you're selfish and you're proud. And they're going, Father, I think I'm going to go to somebody else. Yeah, maybe you should. But the reason I do this type of stuff is because I'm trying to get people to get over themselves. You know, a seminarian from our diocese, he's a priest now, but I, we were at Emmaus together and he came up to me and he used to come to daily mass uh, with me uh, when he was in a seminary. And so he came to me as a priest. He was newly ordained about a year and he says, uh, Father, I used to love to always come to your masses. And he says, you, is, you, you know what I got the most out of you throughout the years? And I go, what? He says, you have a pretty strong theme. And I said, what's my theme? I'm thinking, love one another, you know, all that stuff. No, 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 no. Uh, it's not about you, is what he said. <laughs> and I'd say, okay. But it isn't. Please, if your spiritual life is focused on yourself, repent. Do everything for others. And then God will take care of your spiritual life. That doesn't mean you don't worry about it. I mean, hopefully I'm doing everything I'm doing. Even like this morning, my holy hour was not for me and my intention. It was for someone else. One of my kids, I'm his confirmation sponsor, he turned 40 today, please. So I offered up my holy hour for him and his intentions. Huh? And his family's intentions, his wife and his two kids. So when your prayer should always be other-centered, and a God, of course the God of the universe knows your prayer. He knows your heart. He knows your needs. And if you're constantly putting others first, even in your prayer, God, who knows your heart and knows what you're doing, will bless you abundantly. Okay.
So here we go. We'll go back to the live stuff here. Then they asked me to talk a little bit about uh, Father Pete, my spiritual director. Father Peterson was my director since I was 17, uh, 18 years old, I think, 19 maybe, when I was in college. And I'll never forget the first time I met him personally. I heard him speak before. But when he, when he would, uh, I was going to confession. And I used to go to confession a lot because uh, I needed to. I still need to, but normally now it's once a month. I don't, uh, unless I have mortal sin, and by God's grace, I don't uh, fall into that much, normally. Anyway, so, but the reality was, I was going, to, I was the first one to go to confession, and because uh, no one else was running. I'm in a seminary, and I was a, a freshman in college. And he said, who are you? And he put his arm around me. And he's about my age now. He died in 90-some. But anyway, he says, what's your name? And I go, Larry. And he says, Larry do you know how much God loves you? And I said, oh, yes, Father. And he went, whack! And he hit me really hard off the head, and I'm thinking, oh, no, and I'm going to go to the confession to this priest. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dear. And so I went to confession, and I got rid of all my sins, and uh, he forgave me, and I was walking out. And as I was walking out, he said, hey, come back here. And I go, uh-oh, here he's going to hit me again. And I said, yes, Father. And I came and I'm walking back to him and he gave me a big hug and he said, welcome home. Oh, thank you. And then I went outside and I cried for a long time that night because I always thought that when God saw me, all he saw was my sin and that God lived in perpetual disappointment with Larry Richards at that time, perpetual disappointment. And here, when Pete asked me if I knew how much I was loved by him and you know, he said so much that whole reality that God just loved me. And that's what keeps me uh, pure. That's what keeps me uh, faithful to my vows. Not fear, but knowing he loves me. And how important that is for all of us. So Pete was the most loving man I ever knew. He was the pastor of St. Teresa Avila in Union City, Pennsylvania years ago. And the doors were never locked. They weren't allowed to be locked directory. If you walked into the rectory, there would always be 10 to 15 street people there. And even in his own bedroom, he had a bed against the wall, which was his. He had another two beds there, and he had a mattress on the floor, all street people. The dinner table was always filled with people off the streets. This is the way this man lived. He was the most loving person I ever met. I used to say, Pete was one of my reasons for the existence of God because he was the most loving person. So that's, the, that's to tell you a little bit about Father Peterson. Great man. I miss him very, very much. He was the greatest thing in my life. Uh, he just kept leading me to wanting to be holy. He was always praying. It was, and again, like St. John Vianney said, this is the glorious duty of man that we pray and that we love. We pray, we put God first, we make sure we're doing his will, and we love as the way he loved. That's the, the meaning of life, and that's what we're all called to do. Okay. It's from Robert. As a Catholic, am I absolutely required to believe that the Holy Spirit also proceeds from Jesus the Son? To be honest, I haven't thought much about it, but I was wondering how strict the church is with such beliefs. Well, again, one of the things that divided us in the Orthodox Church 
was the Orthodox believe the Holy Spirit comes from the Father only, and we've said from the Father and the Son. You have to believe as a Catholic what we profess in the creed, and that's part of the, the, what we believe. And so you can't pick and choose. It's not how strict. This is about the very essence of God. But notice that no matter what we say, it's true, but it's not everything. Like I can, if I tell people, you want to get to know Lake Erie? Yes, I say, well, go jump in it, drink it, you know, swim in it. Do you know Lake Erie now? Absolutely, it's fantastic. But you don't know Lake Erie. Lake Erie is massive. It's like jumping in the ocean. Do you know the ocean? Yes, you have a great experience of it, an intimate experience of it. But you don't know all the ocean. It's the same with God. We explain as best we can who God is, what the Trinity is. But God is beyond Trinity. That's just the way we explain it, and it's 100% true. But that's why the fight over, you know, or I, I don't think he belongs to the Father and the Son or just from the Father. It's a mystery. <laughs> don't worry about it. What happens, though, that God has always had the Trinity. The Father, I mean, think about it. God has always existed by definition. Try to think of non, uh, no beginning. Your mind will go, Pleh! it cannot accept no beginning. We try to look at everything and where to come from, where to come from, where to come from. Something had to always exist, and we call this something God. But this God was never alone. The Father has always loved the Son. The Son has always loved the Father. Their love is so real. It's the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one trinity, a community of love. And when we say the uh, beautiful in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it's like the Holy Spirit takes us up and brings us into participation with the Trinity through adoption, that we get part of this, we get caught up into this. We're not God, but we're adopted by God and brought into the beauty of who God is in love. And since God is love, the Father's always loved the Son, the Son's always loved the Father, the love is the Holy Spirit, then we must be love. And the way we become most like God on this earth is the more we love. So to say, did he come only from the Father, or this Father and the Son, don't go crazy over it. Just believe it that somehow the you God of the universe, it's only one God, is a community of God. It's called a mystery. We forget about mysteries, but this is what we, and again, they used to fight over it when they're fighting between the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church, fighting over it. Really? Is that what we're going to do is fight over this? And I know that's not what you're saying. I'm just answering your question and adding those other things. Okay. So let's continue. During your daily holy hour, how much time do you actually spend in silence, just feeling and being in Jesus' presence? I usually do half and half. And again, I'm, I'm a, 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 as much as I go crazy on this, there's still a part of me that's still uh, making sure, because as a priest, there are certain things I pray that, uh, like I made a vow that I would say the breviary every day. That's the office. So in the morning, it's the office of readings, the morning prayer, and usually one of the daily prayers. And so, but also Our Lady asks us to pray the rosary. So I pray the rosary every day. And also Jesus asks us to say the Divine Mercy Chaplet. So I do the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day. Also, I begin all that by reading scripture. So there's certain things I always do. And then that's the time. So it's usually about half and half. Half of doing all the things I need to do and then half of listening to the Lord. Now, do I need to listen to the Lord? Do I need to do that? Yes, of course. That's why it's all in my holy hour. And it's just like, I just want to make sure that uh, I need to do what I took a vow to do 
making sure other times if I have to listen and I don't have time in the morning, which usually I get my hour every day, uh, and five, sometimes I have to split my hour if I'm on the road and I can only get a half hour in because I have to catch a plane or something, I'll do the other half hour later. But then I'll sit there and make sure I have my hour, but make sure that I'm listening. So to do both, and I always think in me, it's easier to do the things I need to do first. And so then I can reflect on it more and be silent with God more. And one of the things that really helps me to center is just to breathe. And I try to breathe in my nose, out of my mouth, three times in honor of the Trinity. Because the breath of God is the spirit of God, the ruah of God. So when you, the way God gave us life at the very beginning is he took God the Father and breathed into us over our nostrils the breath of life. And so God used our physical breath to give us life. And so to do that every time we go to pray, whenever we pray, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And it centers me so I can listen. It centers me to be present in the moment. It centers my thoughts. It centers all that. And, uh, you know, when Jesus said, or the Old Testament, Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Most people never have stillness in their prayer. That's why they never get these experiences of Jesus. You need to be still in your daily prayer, and it will help you. Okay. So let's go here with, um, I'm hoping you can speak to this developing concerning trend I have noticed. I attend daily mass at various parishes throughout the week. While it's clearly prudent to the faithful to prepare for, to come forward to receive Holy Communion by first applying hand sanitizer in the interest of protecting the priests and themselves, I encourage increased reverence for the liturgy of the Eucharist by waiting until after the priest consumes the body and blood of Christ to begin accessing apply and sanitizing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is one of my uh, people who come uh, <laughs> at the parish. Tim, I agree. You hear all this click, click, click stuff now. And so it can be... Uh, 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 distracting. I agree with you, but at the same time, no one's doing it uh, to be nasty or anything there. Uh, you know, some of them, it's just, it's just funny. I want to laugh sometimes when you hear this opening, you hear the click, click, you hear it close before people go. It is distracting. You should wait until after the priest receives communion. Good point, Tim. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's see here. What else we got here? How can we best utilize our earthly treasures for the common good aside from donating to the reason for the hope, our hope, <laughs> obviously? Listen, I'm never going to call you to, uh, uh, explicitly to once a year we do a thing for the reason for our hope. Please, I hope uh, I never do that. You know, I even have a board and we're redoing the whole website in that so that 100% everything will be free. You know, we're getting rid of the CDs, DVDs. We're going to have a 50% sale here in a couple of weeks. Um, but we, I don't want to be able to charge for anything. And so, but the best way, like yesterday, I just had a great talk with Mary's Meals. Now, there's uh, three organizations I participate in. 
Mary's Meals, which is an organization that feeds kids and educates them all around the world. They're fantastic. You just go to Mary's Meals and you can adopt a kid for 20, or it's a different kid every year, every month for $21, or you can just give them money. I've I belonged to Unbound. It used to be CFCA for since I was in seminary, and uh, I've done that. And they, you can get one kid, and I've done that. My uh, kid now for the last about six years is Joseph. And then another one I really support is Haiti 180, which is Sean Forrest. And uh, they have a place in Haiti, and boy, he really needs help. I think the best thing we can all do, literally, is to take care of someone in the world we don't know. Because every, and, and it's never going to be able to say thank you to you. Uh, you're just taking care of people because they, they're people. You know, sometimes the greatest problem I see in the church, or people in general, not the church, but where we make distinctions between people. I got to put mine first, Father. All people belong to God. Think of the refugees who have died, or like right now we're in the midst of in, uh, in the Holy Landers war again. And all these people are killed. And to us it just becomes uh, uh, noise in the background. But every one of those people who are killed have a mother or father or sister or brother or sons and daughters. And what if that was your mother, father, brother, sister? Because they are. That's the point. That somewhere we got to see all people as people. So when we can give, not just of the abundance that God gives us, but the very core, you know. So I used to try to I tell my prep kids when I taught there, if you get $100 in your weekly paycheck, whatever it is, you need to give $10 away. Give it to someone. You can, you can give it to someone on the street. You can start uh, uh, adopting a kid in the third world. You can send it to an organization. You can give it to your parish, whatever it is. It's just consistently making sure that the top of the things that we have, the top before we give and pay ourselves, before we pay other people, before we pay the government, the top goes to God. And God can be through organizations or can be through kids, people, people on the streets, whatever. But we got to know that all the money we have, every dime belongs to God. And he says, let's make a deal. You give me 10% of the top, off the top, and you can keep 90%. I think that's a great deal. Now, some people like to fight with me and say, Father, that's an Old Testament concept. You're right. You want to do the New Testament concept? You got to give everything so you can make that decision. That's between you and God. But I think that the best way we do these things is giving 10% to wherever the Lord calls you to give. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to the preachers on TV. You listen to the Lord and you do as he tells you. It's just that simple. But we got to take from the top. You know, and again, I, have, I just had this conversation again someone yesterday and I says, because he said, I have to focus more on money and taking care of it. And I said, listen, yes. But I says, when you focus on being generous to others, you, are, you, there's, you always get more. I have never, ever, ever, and I've never seen anyone who says, well, I have to take care of myself. They're always taking care of themselves. They're always worried about money. 
But if they take care of others first, then they always have an abundance. That's just a universal truth. <laughs> it just is. You know, and it works for everybody. And so again, I, I tell people, if you don't believe it, you try it for six months. If it doesn't work, then stop. I've never had anybody stop. So I uh, hope that helps. Okay. Father Larry, this is from Tim. Uh, why would us humans on earth be so arrogant as to think that God would only create one planet with intelligent life? There could be many planets with intelligent life, or there may be only one earth. But if there's one, more than one earth, God would have a similar, have a similar or totally different plan for them. Am I off base here? There could be, um, hundreds of earths, if you will. We don't know. Think about it. There's, uh, uh, what is it? Um, 80 billion stars out there and that's not including planets and there's many and that's in our that's in our galaxy and there's more galaxies than that so of course but the point of all that is this we only have one creator god is the creator of all the planets all the universes all the stars there's only one god and so how he deals the way god deals with every person there's universal about god you know that God is love, and that would always be that would be true for everywhere, everything. But how He deals with us would be different. So again, we don't know, of course. Uh, but could there be other places? Yes. You know, uh, that's not like believing in UFOs and little green men. But it means there could be true life on other planets. You know, uh, a thousand years ago, they thought that the world was flat and that everything rotated around us. We love to do this. We're always concerned about us. So you know, everything is about us. Everything uh, works around us. But then we find out, wow, it's so much bigger. I love, I want to get a picture one of these days. They have like the little dot, I, I think they called. And it's just the earth, what the earth looks like from space. And when you see that, you can see it on the internet. It puts everything in such a much different perspective. That shows how, every, how we're so small and we're all united to each other. But when you look at things from our perspective, everything's so big and we're all divided from each other. God sees all of us intimately, but he sees all of us together, that he loves all people. And that's why we have to have that same vision as God. Okay? Okay. Let's go back to here. Message retracted. Message retracted. Uh, okay. Shalom, Father. Would you please clarify what is the proper hand gesture during the Lord's Prayer at Mass? The proper one is the one that the church teaches. The old, uh, again, um, some places, the, the bishop can give permission for people to shake, uh, to join hands. Of course, not now. At our parish, they used to join hands. We stopped about a year or two ago, uh, maybe three or four years ago now. But the, the oldest hand prayer was with our hands up, and that's the way the priest prays. Okay, so you can do that at Mass, but the traditional way is you don't have to have any particular way. But the reason I like hands like this is because this is the way Jesus prayed. This is a, a sign of surrender. This is I surrender. It's a sign of lift me up. It means I'm bringing all people with me. It's not just about me. But you can. I mean, someone just wrote uh, on Facebook, someone had a thing, and I, well, you know, why do we fold hands like this? And they had some nice, it was theological opinion. When, because I read it and I go, well, you didn't, you didn't prove anything. You're just saying why you like this. 
you do whatever the Lord calls you to do. But if your parish is doing something, you should do whatever your parish is doing because you don't want to show, because a lot of times people say, it's about me and what I want to do. And again, then you're, you're, you're taking attention off Jesus so that everybody looks at you. And is that really what you want to do? Is that people look at you instead of Christ Jesus uh, at every Mass? So that would be part of it. So, uh, but the regular, most Catholics still pray this way. The way the early church prayed is both the priests and the people prayed like this. The Jews would pray like that. There were other ways of prayer, but again, um, hope that helps. I know it's not exactly like, I, I hate when people say, you got to do like this and that's all, everything else is wrong. Well, who the heck are you to tell people that? But people do. And then they say, well, the Pope says so. And then people, uh, as long as they agree with the Pope, then they say, that's good. But if they don't agree with the Pope, well, it doesn't matter what he says. So you see how fickle everybody is. We agree with people when they agree with us. And that's a problem. Uh, And I'm not saying that's you at all. I'm just uh, responding to that. Okay. Hi, Father, what is your advice to people who suffer from scrupulosity? How do I become fear? How do I overcome my fear of God in hell? It comes back to what I've already been talking about. That's why I get real strong on people who have come to confession. I say, you got to get over yourself. And then I say, it's not just because you know you want to get over yourself. You know you want to get over fear of damnation and fear of hell. Um, the only way, like again, I've said that I have no fear of going to hell. I deserve hell, but I have no fear of going there. Why? Two things. Jesus Christ paid for my sins on the cross. He fulfilled the justice of God. That's called grace. So you need to focus a a lot on the grace of God, what Jesus Christ did for you. So instead of being focused on yourself and fearful and everything, you're focused on Jesus and grateful gratefulness, gratitude can kill fear. But if you're still focused on yourself, think about and try to think of God as God, that this God of love, if the only, the reason he created you is to damn you. Now you have free will, of course, I'm not going into all these things. But if you're trying with all your heart to do God's will and you keep falling, he's there to pick you up. Jesus is praying for you. It says in Hebrews, Jesus lives forever to intercede for us. So God is on your side. So he's going to help you. But when you repent and say, God, I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it your way. The thing that keeps you in repentance, again, is knowing his love. So I was just having a conversation again today with someone who was that very thing. And I says, you got to come to know the love of God. So what I encouraged him to do was to put scriptures, put in Google, scriptures to help you know God's love. And I gave him one from last Sunday uh, that says, John chapter 15, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, remain in my love. And I said, I want you to sit with that verse every day. Just sit with it and let God say that again and again to you. You can also go to Mark chapter 1, verse 11. You are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And the biggest thing to remember when you pray is that you're called to be focused on God who is love. But when you go to pray and you're saying your prayers and you're focused on yourself and a fear of hell and damnation and guilt and shame, you're only focusing on yourself. And God comes to you in in prayer and he says, why when you come into my presence do you look at you? Why, when you come into my presence, don't you look at me? 
that when you and I look at him, he says, you're my beloved son, you're my beloved daughter, and I'm pleased with you. But the devil loves to tell us, no, you're no good, you're a sinner, you deserve damnation, you're going to hell. Who are you going to listen to? The accuser who night and day accuses them before God, as it says in Revelation about the devil? Or God the Father who sent Jesus to die for your sins? God does everything in his power as God to save you. Work with him. Surrender to him. Let him love you. And that's what's going to transform you. Okay? Okay. I got to get out of here. Again, know that I'm praying for you every day. I ask you to please pray for me. Pray that we continue to, I'm doing God, that I continue to do God's will with this podcast that goes in our directions it needs to go. It seems we're getting very, very slow on this. Uh, and me interviewing different people, I don't know what all the problem is, but we want to hurry up and start getting this uh, out there more and to have everything more professional, but still real. I never want to be anything that's real. Okay? The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.